If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Brittany here. Do you struggle to keep up with everything your family has going on during the busy school year? From sports schedules, school and work, play dates, therapy and doctor's appointments, and home life, there is a lot to manage. My solution? Skylight's all-in-one smart family calendar. The Skylight calendar is super easy to use and syncs events from your already existing calendars all in one place. My favorite part? Events are color-coded for each family member, and you know how I love things color-coded. The chore chart feature is also a favorite. Um, Ruby loves checking off her chores every day. Additional fun features include meal planning, grocery lists, daily weather display, and the option for screensavers of your favorite family photos. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love the Skylight calendar, you'll receive a full refund. They offer a 120-day money-back guarantee and free returns. Now, as a special offer to you, you can get up to $30 off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com and enter code MOMSTALK. Again, skylightcal.com, enter code MOMSTALK. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L.com, promo code MOMSTALK, M-O-M-S-T-A-L-K. Hey guys, welcome to the Moms Talk Autism Podcast. Today we are going to talk about ticks. T-I-C-S for clarification. Stick around. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. All right, we are back. Um, And we've been thinking about doing this episode for a while, but everybody's summer schedule this year has been, why do I say this year? Everyone's summer schedule has been a little chaotic and weird um, because summer. And so we wanted to talk about ticks, T-I-C-S, because really a couple of our kids are dealing with them right now. And we've been working through them this summer. So we thought what better time than the present to discuss this with all of you. Um, I think ticks are very common for kids on the spectrum. Um, and we kind of had talked about how ticks are different than stemming. 
And I think one of just the easier ways to sort of like think about how ticks are different than stimming are ticks are usually not voluntary. So they're doing it involuntarily. It's not necessarily something that they can control. Um, whereas a lot of times stimming is something that they do to regulate themselves. So just a little side note on that, if you guys are, com you know, confused at all about that. But um, Brittany Britt, you've been dealing this summer with Austin and Austin has developed a new tick or two over the summer. So why don't you kind of, we'll start there. Why don't you share with us kind of what's going on there? Yeah. So, and I will just piggyback on what you were saying there, Shannon, like sometimes mm -hmm. the uh, ability to discern between a tick and a stem can be a little difficult. Um, mm -hmm. there, there's a little bit of overlap, I would say. I mean, there, there is the involuntary versus voluntary aspect to it, but sometimes it's hard to tell, especially if your child is non-speaking or has less communication. It's It can be kind of difficult, and we've certainly struggled with that with Austin, trying to discern whether his his movement or his vocalization was intentional or not, you know? So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Austin has, uh, Austin has always stemmed since he was – itty bitty little toddler running around. And, um, we've learned how to help him find appropriate ways to stem, how to, uh, regulate himself through stemming all sorts of different things. So that's been a big part of our lives for now, I don't know, 15 years. Um, but I would say ticks are kind of there. I think they've been there. I just, the, um, the intensity and the frequency has not mm -hmm. always been as strong as it has been lately. And I would say lately, maybe like within the last year, maybe 18 months is when it's really picked up for him. Um, I've talked to many professionals and medical doctors and things about it. There is no rhyme or reason to it as far as we can tell. And I, I would assume that would apply to, to any child. Um, it sometimes just happens. And I think everything kind of just gets put under the umbrella right now for Austin of puberty. <laughs> that seems to be the explanation I get a lot for things, whether that's true or not. It's just, it's a nice handy little, you know, well, yeah, he's going through puberty. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, but uh, last year we went on a trip and um, it was a, a road trip up to see some grandparents and family reunions and things. And while, we're, while we were on that trip, Austin started moaning. And I don't want to do it too loudly into the microphone to give an example, but it's almost <laughs> like kind of a drone or like a, like a, a, a solid, like a, a solid consistent sound of like, uh, like that, but like kind of deeper and moaning. But and then he would take a breath and then just start again, right? And it was just this constant, almost background noise you would hear. Um, and while we were traveling home from that trip, he started doing that. And, you know, it, it was a lot of stimulation and, and uh, a lot to ask for him to be out of his normal routine on this trip. And uh, But when we came home, I thought, oh, it'll, you know, die down or, or go away once we get back into routine. It didn't. Um it, it stayed and has continued to stay. Now, it's, it's not every day, all day long, but there have been days where he has done this vocalization type stim or tick. I don't know how involuntary or voluntary it is, honestly. Uh, 
for up to 14 hours a day. Every moment of his waking hours that he is not eating or drinking, he is, he is vocalizing those kinds of noises. So, uh, that's been a new development recently. And then now, uh, with some medication changes, it's so complicated. I'm going to try to be succinct about it. There's a, there's a lot of information and, and, um, dates and things, uh, that I could really go into, but, um, he's, he's started doing some more, it seems to be an involuntary movement of his body. And it's almost like a, you know how, when you're at a doctor at the physical and you hit, hit your knee with the little thing and you're, you get that call a knee jerk reaction, right? Where you're (laughs) a, a reflex, right? he seems to be having that kind of response physically with his body with like the lower half of his body. And he'll just be sitting on the couch and his entire lower half will just jerk like somebody hit his knee. Um, but it's his, you know, from the hips down. So it's really kind of interesting. And it was very prevalent to the point of keeping him up at night. Uh, it would happen multiple times in succession and then he'd have a little break for a minute and then it would he'd have, he'd do it like four or five or six or 10 times more in a row. And then he'd stop for a minute. And the frequency was just getting really, I mean, it was, it was a lot to see. It was very um, jarring, like visually to see him do that. It, I know it wasn't a seizure, but it, it kind of looked that way in a way in, in some capacity. So we've been talking to medical professionals about that and we really don't have any definitive answers yet. But with medication changes, it has kind of come and gone. Um, it still crops up every once in a while, but is greatly reduced. And now Austin seems to be doing more of just going back and forth between a, a handful of ticks and stems. And he chooses his flavor for the day or sometimes, you know, he'll switch back and forth, whatever hour it is. And we'll go from moaning to this kind of like hip thrust thing to slapping his hands and feet on hard surfaces on the ground or on a countertops. I think that is, that's more of a stem um, because I think he likes the idea of like when you slap your hand really hard on something, it makes mm-hmm. your hand tingle. I think he's seeking yeah. out that kind of sensory there, but I don't know. Sometimes I really think he can't control it. Uh and then, you know, I'm obviously not a medical person. I think that's the tricky thing, Brittany. Yeah. Like we, as Shannon pointed out in the beginning of this episode, this is Jean, by the way. I don't know if we did proper Hi, we didn't. at all at this time. Hi, Hi Jean. Jean. <laughs> uh, we, um, there's this, it's hard to discern when both things can be categorized as involuntary compulsions yes because the body is compelled to want to do a certain thing and is seeking some type of regulation or relief or whatever it does whatever it provides them and whatever that response matter is now i i think a lot of people now the first time i got um more acquainted with ticks was when I watched the documentary Swim Team, um, which is is a uh, documentary that's based on a swim team that was created in New, in New Jersey. It's all kids with uh, autism. One of the kids on there also had a comorbidity of uh, 
dual diagnosis of Tourette's, pretty severe case. And the ones that, and he was, he also was, he had pretty, you know, high functioning speech and language in general. Some of them talk about how the, those compulsions are like suffering for them, that it is hard for them. It's not something they really want to do. They want to make their body to stop, do it almost kind of like when I've heard Parkinson's Parkinson's patients talk about that as well. Um, very similar fashion. Um, there are basically in the, in the DSM, there's just for all of our listeners out there, but there's, um, three different categories or subcategories of what meets the diagnostic criteria of a, of a tick. Um, and some of them can share similar, there can be overlapping criteria. That's why it's really important. And Brittany's, you know, in the process of making those steps. And I think Shannon, you've talked about that too, in the past of, you know, something we want to keep an eye on. If you, you've watched her pick up on the, you know, have certain ticks, but then you've seen them reduced or to almost completely minimized to go away. But it's like, well, you don't, you're kind of, it's kind of like a waiting game, but Brittany's now kind of in the thick of it of them trying to really discern what is really the, the function of those ticks. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I was. Yeah, and it's not necessarily that we're trying to completely eradicate any compulsive behavior or any stems or any ticks, even. Right. But it's it's a quality of life thing, and it's about him being able to feel regulated, calm, being able to sleep, being able to enjoy certain activities. If it impedes those, if it impedes his daily life and his quality of life, that's when I'm going to try to intervene and help. Um. You know, if he's, if he wants to moan for 12 hours and it's not hurting his throat and it seems to be calming and something that he enjoys, I'm not going to try to mess with it too much. It's just, you know, you have to take all those factors into consideration and even those around him, you know, like the rest of the family too, their needs and um, if it affects them too, needs to be, needs to be considered. So. But yeah, it's, it's, it's vocalizations, it's, um, physical movements. Um, there's been a, um, he, he's done ones where he's, he's blinked kind of, uh, more frequently than you can notice that it's more frequently than you would a normal person or a, you know, a typical person would blink or he's blinking kind of hard. Um, there's just been a lot of things like that. There's been a kind of a shouting uh, thing that's more like a, it's not a grunt, but it's like a huh, huh <laughs> sound that he'll do sometimes really loudly. Um, and then the hardest one, which kind of goes back to the hand slapping of, of countertops has been hitting windows lately. Um, the reverberations, if you've ever slapped a window, um, you know, if you haven't, mm-hmm. you can imagine you get quite the, <laughs> the reverberation and the feedback from, from slapping a window really hard. Uh, and so he's, he's into it. He likes to do that. And uh, I don't know how much of that is, is voluntary versus involuntary when he really gets going. Uh, so it's, 
it's a lot. It's a lot to try to, I don't know, diagnose is the right word, but. Um, I think just being observant and being able to be on your toes and collect the information yes, as well as collecting the information, run, run interference for any potential harm or safety issues when you are that that's a potential. And I think that's your biggest fear with the whole, the whole glass piece, the windows is it's definitely a safety issue. 100%. It's he does it in the car. Mm-hmm. Like there's some, there's some significant safety concerns with any of them. Um, it, it can be that way. So I don't know. I mean, that's kind of where we're at. And I know Gracie has had her own experiences with this as well through the years. So maybe we can have Shannon share her piece and, and then we'll go from there. Sure. So with Gracie, um, we had found it during COVID and it was when we were doing in-home ABA, basically full-time, you know, because no school. Um, and Gracie's tick is that she will take her chin and she will press it to her shoulder. Um, so she turns her head, her head. Yeah. She'll turn her head to the right, kind of scrunch her shoulder up and she'll touch the chin to the shoulder. Um, and we noticed that she started doing that at home and thought it was kind of interesting. The BCBA, you know, had mentioned, why don't, you know, it's always a good idea to get it checked out. So we went ahead and we booked an appointment with her, um, pediatrician and, Luckily, I was able to get some of it on video because you know how it is. Like I always tell my husband, it's like when you take your car to the shop and it stops making the noises, <laughs> you yes. take your kid to the doctor and you're like, I don't know if you're going to get what I'm seeing. Um, so we had gotten some on video and we had a appointment with him and he was able to look at it and basically tell us, you know, I don't think that there's anything, you know, serious going on here. I don't think it's seizure activity, but... Um, you know, if you want to be cautious, we'll send you a referral to the neurologist. So we went ahead and we did that because you know how it is, you guys, like that fear of not doing something and then having it turn into a bigger problem. Um, so we went ahead and we made an appointment with a neurologist. Um, we did do a EEG at that point and everything came back normal. There was no seizure activity. Um, and he just basically said that a lot of times the ticks can be stress related, overwhelm related if they're going yes. through something, you know, in their lives that has them overwhelmed or overly stressed out. And he said it will very likely come and go. And it has. And he said, you know, just with Gracie and where she's at right now, it's not affecting her day-to-day life, but if it gets to the point where it affects her day-to-day life or she can't concentrate in school or things like that, at that point, we would consider further treatment, which basically is medication, right? Pharmaceuticals. Um, and we haven't had to do that yet. Um, Gracie had a big gap of time where the tick completely went away. We didn't see it. Um, it has been back a little bit this summer. I have been noticing her doing it this summer, but again, it's it's not to the point where we need to have some type of intervention for it. Um, It's not super repetitive or incredibly worrisome or keeping her from doing, you know, what it is that she needs to do. Um, So, you know, thankful for that and just keeping an eye on it, you know, like we do with all of the behaviors (laughs) for our kids. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I think, so that's perfect because you guys both have the, um, illustrate at least like two of the categories, essentially. I mean, there, there's, there's three subtypes or domains of ticks, which is classic Tourette's disorder. Um, there's, then there's the persistent motor and vocal tick disorder. So you have one or more motor or vocal ticks that have been present uh, for greater than one year. And then it's the provisional tick disorder where the motor and or vocal ticks have been present for less than a year. Mm, okay. And so it's like, you know, that's, that's basically what it is. And you know what? I, I mean, when you look at those, they're st- those are still so ambiguous. I mean, the only one that's the most, like... I guess clear is Tourette's, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think those are, it's more identifiable when it's standalone, when it's, when it is standalone like that. Right. Um, and I think that's, what's the trouble with this and where do you, you know, you are now blessed with, well, both of you have great teams, right? You're not, you're not, you wouldn't even, you're not even starting from scratch with these kind of conversations. Some people may not have even been utilizing. And we've talked about this in other episodes where the, they don't even have specialists in their portfolio of what they utilize for, for, for their kids. They're simply relying on the resources through their educational system and maybe their pediatrician. And at that, after that, it stops and there's been they've there's been no additional measures. So they don't they're not even tapped into well when this does evolve because these things kind of this is something that can just pop up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It can materialize and um, manifest itself later on, and it can be hard to that to be your starting point. So in some ways, why it is very challenging to like work work this all out. And there is a little, I even talking with both of you, there is more peace of mind because you know, you're not trying to figure it out alone mm-hmm. at, sure. at the end of the day, Yeah, you know? And, um, so I think, you know, cause we, we do, we get quite a bit of community members that message us and like, well, how do you know when to get to pursue seeing a neurologist or when to see a specialist. And we've answered those questions on previous uh, episodes, but I think this topic of discussion, because it's kind of its own wheelhouse and it's so unique would also bring that call that to question for, for individuals. Cause you don't, they don't, you don't know, you can't see into the future. No. And with our kids, that do have repetitive stims that do have compulsive behaviors. I mean, I definitely think Rory is in that category. Mm-hmm. That's not out of the realm of us down the road where we may, that may be something that happens. Um, so you still, it's kind of one of those things where you still have to always observe. Cause I think even was it two years ago after one of his assessments, you know, based on his subtype of autism, he said, well, the, the clinician had said, you'll see, you either see seizures from the very beginning from early on diagnosis and epilepsy is a part of that, or you see epilepsy become a part with kids on the severe end of the spectrum. You see that 
kind of materialize into their adolescence, moving into their adolescence. So she said, you know, you're not out of the woods. So where I thought for a long time that I was out of the woods, it's just something that, okay, I need to pay attention to this. It doesn't, and and then at the end of the day, what's going on with me over here? At the end of the day, I still have to keep my observers on, but we are already roped in two specialist teams because he's had a neurologist, mm-hmm. you know, right out of the gate. Um, that was just poor per my request. It wasn't necessarily a necessity. Mm-hmm. It was, I want an opinion from a highly, highly qualified professional that specializes in this arena, not just somebody that's knows the assessment criteria and is technically qualified in some degree. I wanted someone who really was an expert. That was the only thing that was going to really give me the confidence to even get the buy-in of and be receptive to the fact that, you know, my child was autistic. But anyway, I just thought that was a good opportunity (laughs) for us to bring that rope bell, that back into discussion, because I think, especially Brittany right now where you are at, you know, you're having these conversations pretty frequently and pretty regularly again with your entire team that supports Austin. Yeah. So, and do you, and would you say your team has gotten bigger because of it currently, or is it currently still withholding at the same (laughs) quantity? (laughs) Um, We have not added anyone in the last year and a half, but um, it's, it's quite a large team. And some of them are, you know, check-ins once a year kind of thing. It just, you know, I don't, we're not having appointments every week with all of these specialists, but yeah, it is quite the team. And, uh, it's, it's just interesting. I, we actually met with Austin's psychiatrist yesterday and we're going over meds and we talked about all of these ticks and stims and, um, various things that we don't, you know, we're just calling them. I'm calling them what I'm calling them. I don't know if that's officially what it is all the time. Uh, so that's definitely something to talk to doctors about. And it's not really super important that I know exactly what it is. It's about quality of life, like I've s- stated before. But it's um, now to the point where medications are stabilized enough and the side effects are minimal enough that it's like, okay, well, is this good enough? right? Mm -hmm. Do I want to continue to mess with this? Do I want to keep continuing? Do I want to add something else? Do I want to change the quantity on something? Do I want to give it to him in the morning versus the evening? Do I want to blah, 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 right? I feel that so hard. Right. (laughs) Everything you're saying right now. (laughs) And you have to, as a parent, this kind of heads into more medication talk, but Mm -hmm. you have, you're the one who gets to decide that, you know, even if your child is, is, pretty verbal and can, can express themselves They're If they're a child, they're still a child. And so, you know, yeah. parents get to dis- make those medication decisions and have the ultimate say, at least for now in their lives. Um, for Austin, it will be for his entire life. I will always be making these decisions for him. Mm-hmm. And that puts a lot of pressure on myself and my husband to try to make the best choice. We're only human. I'm very aware that doctors are only human. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's that's you know become apparent to me over the years that sometimes 
they don't really, they might know some definition to some things and they might know the names of the medications that I can't pronounce, but that's kind of about it (laughs) sometimes Mm -hmm. as far as being an expert in that field. Uh, And so you really have to go with that gut and do that research. And even sometimes the research, you know, there's just not a lot out there that pertains to your particular situation. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, My my particular doctor that I'm working with on a lot of these, we're really talking a lot about these ticks and the stems. Um, she's very, very good about spelling things out in a succinct way that my type one brain appreciates. She mm-hmm. will say, okay, with this medication, here are the cons and she will list them. These are the pros and she'll list them. I have seen this in some of my patients and she'll tell me the positives and the negatives with those pros and cons. And she goes, and then, and then we'll go over the same thing with a different medication. And she'll say, okay, so you, now you have this information that I've provided for you. What would you like to do? And I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. I said, well, what, <laughs> what do you think you should do? You know, I'll, I'll try to pull it back on her sometimes. She's like, no, no, no. <laughs> she goes, I, I have seen, you know, and, and it's usually something that they're both comparable things. Like I've seen good success with this and I've seen good success with this. I think these are, you know. they're, they're equal in, in their, um, in their success. So you really, it's, it's really up to you what you would like to try and you need to go, you know him better than I do. And I appreciate her taking that approach. She gives me as much information as she can. And then she's deferring to the expert who is me. I am, I am the Austin expert, right? Mm -hmm. She's, she's the doctor, but I'm the Austin expert. And that together between the two of us, we are able to find, I think, the best solutions for Austin right now. Um, and it's not to say that he's always going to need medication to help with these compulsive behaviors or these texts or anything. Um, it may not be the case even, you know, six months from now, but right now it it is. And these medications are, are also helping with sleep and some other, you know, things. They're multifaceted. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, Find if you can find a doctor or a medical professional who will present information to you in that way and then sincerely ask for your input. I really do think that's the best formula, especially for things like this that are a little bit more ambiguous. It's not like, you know, um, diabetes or, or blood pressure where it's like your number and you're trying to hit this number and you take this medication and da da da. You know, there's, there's a lot more. <laughs> It's a lot more complicated than that with uh, moods and and compulsive behaviors. So, You point out something that's really significantly profound and that this arena, and I just think in any arena in life, is that the power is in collaboration. Yes. I've always firmly believed that. Power is in collaboration. And when you find that synergy, that's when you're going to come with the, the best types of solutions. And also it's like this, like fluid, it's like this good vibrational energy to that. So it's not like nobody's getting stuck. You know, you're constantly feeding things, information back and forth to each other that is equally beneficial to the other to say, okay, what is the best, you know, what is our best set of options right now? What's the most educated decision that we can make? But it also made me giggle a little bit (laughs) is that. We've talked about it way, way back 
in the beginnings of the origins of our podcast about how, again, we're not medical professionals ourselves <laughs> and us becoming the reluctant experts because that's exactly what we are. And they're not really being a footprint anywhere for the type of parents that we become in this arena. Right. And it's just another reminder of like the things they didn't teach us in health class. They could have, if you could take me back, you know, to high school, you know, to 14, 15, 16 year old Jean and say, you know, you're going to have to be a critical thinker on a level <laughs> totally unknown to you right now. Like how do you make, it's really important that you have some basic foundational understanding. in addition to having that level of critical thinking capacity to say, because it is going to be on you at the end of the day, the doctors can't force you to say, this is going, this is what you need to do for your kids. Now there are some that are, and we've said that those, those are the ones are the red flags. You need to run oh, away from them. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But even knowing that this is part of the how it's the, it's giving people in order to increase accessibility, to increase better outcomes and livelihoods for all of our families and for our kids, it's really being equipped with the how. Um, and you really do talk, whether you, whether you intended to or not, you break down that process, how you're doing that, mm -hmm. how the how part with your teams. I think we are so used to, this is the way we operate. Other people don't have these kind of systems or dynamics set up, or they don't even know where to start to like the how piece, right? No, they don't realize when they step into this arena that you are going to become the reluctant expert. Mm -hmm. Right. And I do want to say like, Jean, you had talked about how, um, and we are blessed that we have a team. Like we're at the point where we've found a team, right? We have a neurologist, we have a, you know, a plethora <laughs> of people, plethora. In, you know, in the medical field. But I will say that when this happened and when this came up and we got referred to a neurologist, I was immediately overwhelmed and I immediately went to, oh, good, someone else in the mix. Great. It's like, okay, I've got you know, the pediatrician, I've got the pediatric dentist who specializes in special needs. I've got the BCBA. I have the RBT. If I'm lucky, I have somebody for a respite. I have the quarterly meetings for DDD for services through the state of Arizona. I now have a neurologist. Like, I'm like, I already have all of these human beings on top of my own family, you know, that I have to balance. And it's like this juggling mess. Right. Um, and while it's like you're thankful to have somebody to go to, to make sure your children are okay, like on the on the opposite side of the coin, it's just like, okay. This other piece of the care map. I now have one more it's human just, and I'm going to have to do check-ins with this human. And like, how am I going to manage all of this, right? And then, Brittany, like you yeah. look at the fact that you have two kids on the spectrum, right? So it's like... Yeah. Not only do you have Austin's providers, but you have Ruby's providers. Right. Um, has Ruby ever had any ticks? 
She had one for a little while. It, it reminds me a lot of Gracie and how it comes and goes, I think, with stress. And it was a vocalization. And it was almost like like when you see something and you're like, huh, and you make that kind of noise, like, hmm. Mm-hmm. She would do that. She'd make that noise. She would do it while she was watching TV or um, when she was home. And it was kind of a, huh. So not as strong as Austin's. Because when you did that, I was yeah. like, well, it's kind of like what Austin's. It's kind of like Austin's, but it aggressive. <laughs> yeah, hers is more like a shrug, and Austin's is like a yeah. whoa <laughs> out out into the world. Yeah, seems so, appropriate. Um, yeah, and it and it kind of I, I would talk to her about it. I'm like, why are you? Do you hear that you're making that noise? And she'd be like, yeah, you know, and she's watching TV or whatever, and she's like, what's it to you? Well, yeah, and she, I don't even think she was really noticing it. I don't think she was. She was. It was not intentionally done, um, but that kind of has faded. Uh, and now what she's doing, she clears her throat, <clears throat> and when my mom was here visiting uh, a couple months ago, she's like, "Does she have a cold? Is she? Is her throat?" I'm like, "No, she just does that." And it comes and goes as well. Some days are stronger than others. I think it's. I think it is directly related to regulation and stress. Yes, just like mm-hmm. you were saying, Shannon. Mm-hmm. So hers are a little bit more subtle, well, a lot more subtle. Let's be honest, <laughs> but um, they are there. And I the the difference is is I am able to communicate and talk with her about it. We don't make a big deal out of it. I am not trying to repress these things unless it's you know once again, quality of life thing. This is not affecting her quality of life at this time. She doesn't seem to be embarrassed by it in any way. So it's fine, but I can talk to her about it. And she, she's funny. She's nine and going on, you know, 16 with attitude sometimes. And, uh, she's just like, I just clearing my throat. Like she just kind of gets a little like, leave, leave me alone about this. I'm like, okay. So, you know, and that's, that's me and Tosh know nothing about that. Nothing. No drama. Sloan and Sloan and no attitude from anyone. (laughs) But it's just funny. It's just funny that, um, and it's funny how quickly you can get used to it too how you can acclimate your own self and you don't notice it. Like my mom was very, she's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, like she noticed it immediately. And I was like, Oh, I don't even hear it anymore. You know? So it's just kind of funny how, you know, how the human brain works. (laughs) It's funny too, because we always, we talk about how you like learn how to tune out your kids. Right. And this is like so good at neurotypical kids, right? Like I, you learn how to just tune things out that your kids do. Yeah. Um, And it's funny because I think that we all have learned how to tune out each other's kids too, because oh we'll be on Marco. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. like Austin will be doing his things and it's like, I don't even notice them anymore because we're so used to talking to one another. And I was thinking about it the other day because I was on a work call, but Gracie was in her room doing her Gracie noises. And I'm like, this person is probably like, where is what this girl? going like, on? What That's so happening? funny. But you guys yes. are like, wouldn't. Like it's nothing. I was on the phone (laughs) yesterday with Tosh actually. And she was, her kids were yelling in the background. They were in the pool splashing Mm -hmm. around and stuff. And she stopped mid conversation was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Can you hear me? And they're being so noisy. I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then I registered. I'm like, Oh yeah, there's kids in the back. Like I just, I have learned to tune out your children also. (laughs) Also. Yeah. I know. I know. It's not a problem. I know. 
that's such a blessing, you know, because so many times I've been on the phone with people and the the noise mm-hmm. comes in, you know, and they're like, oh, I'll let you go. You call me back later. I'm like, no, it'll never go this away. This is my life. <laughs> yeah. This if is... I'm never, I'm never going to get to call you back. You don't understand. <laughs> you just talk a little louder. You just need to embrace. And go. Yeah. 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 We have to embrace what is right now. The other day I like was why I realized I talked, had this like long conversation with someone and realized that in the background, it's Rory making vocal stems and rolling around on this yoga ball for the entire time. Mm-hmm. It sounds like my house is a zoo. Yeah. And I'm like, but that's the norm. I don't know any different. And it's just like, it's like white noise. Right. I don't, I don't know any different. No. And, I, and I will say like, to the opposite of that. So I have been in the car with Austin, right? And he starts slamming on the windows with an open palm, slapping the windows. He will sometimes even throw his body weight and his head against the windows. He's a very big guy. He's he's the size of a man and uh, and very strong. And I have had people look over in a, an alarm at our car. And we're, mm-hmm. we're at a traffic light and the people next to me are looking over with concern in their eyes. You know, and, and, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, I've had people approach my car and ask me if I'm okay. I'm waiting for somebody to like call CPS and be like, she's got a, she's kidnapping something, you know, <laughs> or there's she's stealing this large child <laughs> or there's a wild animal in the car that's trying to escape or something from yeah. the zoo. Like, I don't know. Like it, yeah. if I heard it and you have to put yourself in, in, you know, a stranger's position, if I was in a car parked next to somebody and I heard loud, incessant, you know, seemingly in distress thumping of a window, I would probably look over and and check to make sure everything's okay. So it's very, <laughs> there are a lot of things we can ignore and we can, um, we can filter out, but then there's also a level of, you know, just social normities. And, you know, we've talked about this in all different aspects of our kids' lives. Yeah. And it's really, it's, it's hard. I just want to acknowledge that if, if your child is doing something that is a little bit more um, concerning or less socially acceptable, um, I feel you and I hear you and we, it, it is anxiety inducing for me. It does cause mm-hmm. me to worry and to, um, my, my anxiety is heightened. My awareness of others around me, my, right. um, I, I don't know what, what, I'm, what the word is I'm looking for, but just, I get tense. I'm, I'm very tense taking him into public, wondering yeah. if that, those kind of situations are going to come into play. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. You know, Brittany, I think that also highlights something that's really significant and that's how nuanced this whole, like this, these scenarios are, is that we code switch with our kids. It's all situational, you know, how we are and can be in a certain, one certain environment is not the same way that we're maintaining and regulating ourselves as a parent and fielding that very same behavior in an alternative environment. Mm -hmm. Right. And that is very taxing. I don't think, again, people that don't have children like this, or if they start experiencing their kids being like crazy misbehaved into their teenage years, like can they're totally neurotypical kids. They're just being like audacious teenagers. And all of a sudden they have these very challenging kids they never had before. They don't, they can't realize 
what that kind of load is like because it's invisible. You can't touch it. And the only experience they're getting of you is that particular moment. They have no lens or point of view into the realm of the other pieces of it. And there's usually no time to even explain those things. I think um, it's usually not worth it. Last (laughs) week. No, not usually. Yeah. Last week I shared, um, now this wasn't a tick, right? This was Rory sensory seeking. I was juggling. Now we were getting a, a, a Slurpee because it was national Slurpee day and I had the cups already. Okay. But we're like, there's this long line. There's kids that were really just running around all over the place and not nobody using their manners or anything like that. And even myself, I was checking myself why I'm in line with my own kid. You know, we're not up there yet. And I said, and I was thinking, Jean, you don't know what's going on with those kids. You don't know if those kids have ADHD. You don't know if they have any other cognitive things going on. You don't know if this is the only day that they're feeling joy in their life. Like you don't know anything that's going on. Just give it a, you know, before you even just kind of even talking yourself out any of annoyance or judgment. But most of it was because I'm like trying to keep Rory regulated while we're waiting in line and observing these other kids and kind of like the chaotic overstimulating environment. Right. So, you know, it was, I was taking myself outside of that and putting it there, right. Being mindful. Well, I get up, it gets up to be our turn. The lady that was in front of me moves down. There was like two stations. She goes to the far left and I went right to the one in front of me because I needed, that was one of the flavors that one of the kids get. Well, then she seemed annoyed with me that she then she wanted, she wanted the whole entire access to the entire station. (laughs) And I was also holding, you know, my purse. Rory wanted an ice cream as well as like the two Slurpee containers. And I know I had this small window of time, you know, a small window of time. So I could be readily available to redirect him because of just how stim overstimulating the environment is. She walks in front of me and makes this, her body language and her face. And she was, Rory apparently either put his mouth underneath one of them or put his fingers, you know, sensory seeking kid, probably just, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy for any one of us that we wish we probably could have done ourselves (laughs) as well. You know, Rory just living the dream for us. And, um, she's like, please don't do that. And it was just the body language. It wasn't what she said. It's how she said it. And I said, I just turned to her very calmly. And I was like, please don't talk to my son that way. I'm very sorry. She said, what? All I said is, please don't do that. I said, he is autistic and he is, he is a sensory seeker. I said, it can't help it. Mm-hmm. She was like, well. She was, I didn't know he was autistic. Well, you wouldn't. I said, <laughs> I said, well, you wouldn't because not all disabilities are visible. Yeah. Okay. You know, I said, she's, well, all I said was this. I said, that's not how you said it and you know it. And right now you're just embarrassed because I called you out on it. I wasn't scared because I was like, I just, in that moment, that's exactly what was provided to me. And then I just didn't, I was already stretched in my capacity. I'm juggling all the things. And I myself was trying to prevent that very interaction 
with other people's kids and then it happened with mine Mm -hmm. was the irony of it. Like we can't always, I, I, in that moment, and it wasn't like I was aggressive. Like I just was like, no, I mean, it's disability pride month. So I'm like, people, you be more aware. It's just probably not when this episode comes out, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I know. But yeah. It's just, it was one of those things. I saw something on Instagram yesterday where um, it was an older autistic boy at the store with his mom. And she had posted something about how, um, you know, when he was smaller, it was cute. And now people get annoyed. Yep. You know, it's exactly true. Yeah, it really is. Um, It's like people have less patience as our children get older, you know, because they should know better you know? Um, and it is, it's difficult because they don't know. Yeah. There's this, there's this expectation of compliance. Mm -hmm. And I think that was always the worry with, with ABA and never, you know, when we had authorization issues, I felt like part of the reason is I knew I only had such and such time or window slot to get as much comprehensive therapy in Mm -hmm. because I knew once we hit a certain age, I, it was, it wasn't about like him being like better. It was that I knew what society was going to expect mm-hmm. of him. Yeah. I knew how, what society was going to look and perceive him. And because of these very, of moms, I, I saw the same one that you did mm-hmm. because mom's sharing that same input. It's like, when it's not cute anymore. Yeah. It's just, they move out of toddlerhood. And as you move into the next couple developmental domains, I think more so with boys than with girls in some degree, Hmm. there's this weird thing. And I know uh, Tiffany Hammond has talked about it in the past pretty prevalently, like, especially with, you know, um, people of color. Being that they, mm-hmm. it's the, the expectation of compliance. It's just the older they get, the more that that is expected and anticipated. And that's hard. It's a harder thing for us to feel as parents. Cause we also, at this point, I mean, Brittany can't just tuck Austin underneath of her arm and carry him away. <laughs> if anything, <laughs> Austin's tucking. He tucks me <laughs> under his arm and carries me away is kind of how yeah. it goes. <laughs> Today I was giving him his morning meds and he was lounging on the couch like the, you know, God he is. Uh, <laughs> and he, uh, you, know, like, you know, those Greek statues just on, on yeah. the chaise lounge. And uh, he uh, he grabbed my head forcefully but gently like he does and snuggled me in on top of his chest and just wanted to play with my hair and smell my hair like he does. And it was very much he was he was he tucked me under his arm literally yes and yeah. it it you know i was able to to snuggle him a bit and then it was time to get ready for school and he was he didn't really want to let go so mm-hmm. yeah it's funny it's 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 all tough and i i hope this isn't too discouraging for anyone but i i think the point is, is we want to acknowledge these kinds of behaviors, these kinds of compulsions, these kinds of involuntary things that uh, that are prevalent with autistic 
um, people that, and, um, they can come and go. They can, sometimes they can be treated with meds. Sometimes it's a behavior thing. Sometimes it's, it, there's just a wide variety and, um, we just experience it too. So we're here with you. We're in it with you. We understand. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> yeah. Jinx, Jinx. All right. Well, let's end it there. <laughs> yeah. On that beautifully wrapped up uh, note, by are we gonna Brittany. are we gonna share any peaks? Oh, we are. Any yeah, peaks? we're gonna we're gonna go into our peak of the week. So, who wants to start? I need a minute. Anyone. Okay, I know mine. Go, Shannon. Gracie lost one of her front top two teeth. She this did. Morning. Yay! So she has an adorable little gap on one side, and I'm really working out. I don't know if I'm going to like sneak in tonight and yank the other one while she's sleeping. I don't know. But by this time next week, I will have two teeth gone out of the top of her mouth so that I can snap all of the adorable photos of her missing her two front teeth because I've it's been the waiting best years for stage. this. <laughs> yeah, it's so I've cute. been waiting. Yeah. So I was very excited when she ran into the kitchen this morning asking for, she calls it pink juice. It is, in fact, water with emergency <laughs> the vitamin c oh, dumped into it yeah <laughs> um, with her big gap in her teeth so that oh. is my peak of this week that is adorable i don't really know if i can top that oh no. i mean it's been dangling for a while so i was very invested it didn't freak her out no and i kept telling her pull it out pull it out and she would try to like get in there and get it but I don't know. She got it out this morning. Rory handled it each time like a champ. In fact, he swallowed most of the teeth that he's lost. Yeah, the first so. two, I have no idea where they were. The third one this morning, I found it on the couch. So that's There cool. you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Well, I guess my, here's my peak is I took, we took the kids to, um, I took the kids to the movies by myself this past weekend. And uh, the excitement that this child had, that Rory had. Now McKenna was excited, but Rory, honestly, like, I'm ready to go, mom. Set the time that he was using, like, saying full sentences, like, set the timer. Mommy, set the timer. Get dressed. Get in the car. Let's go. And I'm like, okay, bud. Luckily, I didn't tell him until we were literally 30 minutes out from leaving. Because if that was the case, I would have been dealing with it all day long. Because usually... It wouldn't, it was, it's not, it was not necessarily that he was indifferent to it. It kind of, the enthusiasm and excitement about something didn't really ever hit him until we were actually in the act of doing it. But the, but the, for him, the, the anticipated part, that's never been a thing. And it was just, and then he was like, he wanted to invite friends. He was like, Marina, go to the movies and JJ go to the movies. I'm like, no, but just us, you know? So what I did was, is I booked, like I wanted to last year to do his birthday party at the movie mm -hmm. theater. So I booked a room at the movie theater and that's where we're going to have his birthday party. That's awesome. That's great. So yeah, that's, that's our peak. And they can be as loud and crazy as they want because they got the movie. They the might room. be a little loud right now. So <laughs> We're wrapping it up. These crazy kids. <laughs> what you got, Brittany Brett? I don't even really know. I, um... I cleaned out my closet last week and I got you rid got a pedicure yesterday. I, I got a pedicure yesterday and I cleaned because. out my closet. Well, 
it, it was my birthday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had a great birthday. Loved it. Um, was showered with love and uh, treats. treats and <laughs> gifts. And it was, it was amazing. Um, but I, and I also cleaned out my closet and I got rid of eight bags of clothes. And as someone who takes great joy in throwing things away, <laughs> it made me very happy. <laughs> um, felt good to just kind of get rid of things that I don't necessarily love or want anymore and pass them on to others. I was able to donate, um, almost everything. So, um, yeah, it's feeling, and I walk into my closet now and it just, it feels good. So yeah, it's not as overwhelming now. Yeah. I can see what I have. I am not going to lie. That was like somewhat pornographic for me because that sounds amazing. And yesterday I actually threatened to throw out kids toys and McKenna was like, go ahead, throw it out. And I'm like, no, you think I'm lying here? Don't you give me permission and dare dare me. (laughs) I was like, cause now I know what's going to be happening. Cause there's so much that's got to go. Yeah. Get rid of it all. Got to get rid of it all. Yeah. All right, ladies. Well, thanks for being here with us, guys, and chatting with us today. Come find us on Instagram at Moms Talk Autism. Chat with us. Get in our DMs. You know, let's let's have a chat. Jean's giving me a look. You said pornographic on our non-explicit podcast, so I'm allowed to say get into our DMs. <laughs> um, and you know, if you loved this. Leave us a five-star review. (laughs) (laughs) And we will catch you next week. Say goodbye, ladies. Goodbye. Bye, guys. (laughs)